0: It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please, won't you be my neighbor? Welcome to Faith Promise Church. Welcome in the front door of a new series. And if you don't know what's going on, you'll have to YouTube it like I did. Um, <laughs> Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. I took off my jacket and I got a woo-hoo like we were doing Magic Mike or something. <laughs> and all you guys have laughter are sinners. So... Uh, <laughs> No, my dad's going to Google Magic Mike and I will be fired. I'm so sorry. So, hey, (laughs) let's take advantage of the last sermon. I get to preach. Now, my name is Zach Stevens, and I (laughs) have a good time. Have a good time. My my name is Zach Stevens. It's my honor and privilege to serve as the uh, global student pastor and also as one of our campus pastors. And I love being here. I love being at Faith Promise Church and uh, being a part of the life change that we get to do. And I really do believe. This series has revival implications, that if we'll follow through with what God has called us to do, our world will never be the same, uh, and that, that's not just me speaking in faith. That is, I absolutely believe that, and we're going to get into some special stuff this weekend. I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready to be challenged, and I hope you're ready to get your hands dirty, but before we move on, we have to reference what happened last week. I've had the honor and the privilege, and I mean it when I say that, uh, to serve at Faith Promise. I, celebrate, I celebrated 10 years this week. I've been on staff for 10 years and I've served as a, a janitor cleaning pee off slides. I've been, ha ha ha. I can yell back there, guys. Don't you think I can't, okay? Um, I've been a janitor cleaning pee off slides. I have I've served as a student pastor, as a campus pastor. I serve anywhere that I, get, that, that I get the opportunity to serve. I do it with a joyful heart, me and my family. Uh, it, it is a privilege for us to serve Faith Promise Church. And, and I, I got to start preaching here when I was 15. Uh, I've gotten a lot of opportunities. And I, I've gotten to stand on stage quite a bit at Faith Promise Church, but rarely is there a time, really there's never a time where I feel more at, inadequate When I feel more overwhelmed, like on Heart for the Harvest weekend, watching people who are clearing out their savings account, watching people who just, it's not about the amount, but it's about the obedience. And when we come to work every day, there's 80 plus staff members at Faith Promise Church. Can I just tell you, we know that, right? When we get out of bed, and maybe there's days where you don't want to go to work, you're not sure if you can do it, but we want to be faithful, not only First and foremost, because God has commissioned us to, but because you guys believe in the mission that God has called Faith Promise to. For us to see real people with real problems experience God's real love and for us to experience the revival that's coming. And I just want to thank you so much for your generosity last weekend. Now, I know... People who give and are generous like you, you do not do it for a thank you. So I don't want to stand up here and dote on you and say thank you, because honestly, people like you who are so generous, it almost muddies it up. It almost feels a little dirty, you know, because that's not why you did it. So I was thinking, how do I say thank you? How do I articulate appreciation to people like you who are world changers? And I want to say this. I want to say thank you for the friends and family members who aren't here yet. I wanna say thank you for the people who are today, this weekend are strangers outside of the house of Faith Promise Church, outside of the will of God. But we will reach them. We will see a revival. Their lives will never be the same. It'll start with your obedience, amen? Amen. So thank you so much. We're gonna embark on a three week series um, where we continue to get on the new rivers and new roads uh, that God has called us to at Faith Promise Church. But what we're gonna do is, our challenge, our desire in this series is that we become a good neighbor We've become a good neighbor who loves, knows, and includes their neighbors. That's our desire in this series. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to be. Because who doesn't want a good neighbor, right? Now, I didn't say who wants to be a good neighbor. That's a whole different situation. But who doesn't want a good neighbor? Somebody you can call and help with the kids, or somebody to grab the mail, or somebody to help with pets, or has the tool that you need. Whatever that looks like, we all would like to have a good neighbor, But it seems like in a world increasingly divided, in a world increasingly busy and seemingly uncaring and unloving, it seems like all the good neighbors have moved out. It seems like they're gone. But remember at Faith Promise Church, we do not look at the world and and say, oh, you should be different and I wish you would change. Remember, because we read in James 1, verse 23, that when we look at the Bible and we look at our relationship with God, it is a mirror to see what we should do, not a window to judge the world. Right. So whenever we look and say, where are all the good neighbors gone? We, ask, we do not say, where have they gone? What are they doing? We ask this, are we, are you a good neighbor? Are we a good neighbor to the people who live around us? The next three weeks, we're going to talk about being a good neighbor who loves, includes, and pursues our neighbors. We're going to talk about this, are we a good neighbor? And here's my deepest desire that these next three weeks, that they're not an intellectual conversation, that they're not a hypothetical or a philosophizing conversation, but they're one where we are pursuing real people who live right beside us, who have real problems, who need God's real love. That's the desire that we would get our hands dirty pursuing God's people. Too often we justify loving or caring about people with just caring or loving the people who have our same last name or they're right in our circle, right? Or the people really far off, but never the people right beside us. It seems like we, we care and love for people that maybe we'll never see or, or talk to or interact with. It's, it's our way of loving and staying safe at the same time. But I think if we're honest, we all know it's impossible to love and stay safe at the same time. Now I have good news, faith promise, I have good news. If you bring your tithes and offerings here, if you give here, we do love, we, we do love around the world. We believe in the biblical definition of a neighbor. That means the world is our neighborhood. So we pursue worldwide. There's been 168 individuals throughout Faith Promise who've went on mission trips this year, who've pursued, who've done that. And it's amazing. That's why we give generously. That's why it's one of our values at Faith Promise. We give generously so we can love people around the world. However, in this series, we want to talk to people who live beside us, who walk beside us, who are in the cubicle beside us. So let me ask one more time so it really sinks in. Are you a good neighbor to them? The people live around you. The people live beside you. Now, I need you to brace yourself because when I prepare for messages, the Lord really gets on me, okay? Really, you know, you know when you have that conviction, right? And for some, when, when you get the honor to stand in this, God puts a holy burden on you. So I've got these couple sentences to say, and they've really been hurting me, so let's hurt together, right? There's no reason for me to do it by myself. Prepare your hearts. Oftentimes, we have the conversation about loving anyone and everyone, but end up practically loving no one. I think that this right here is massive, and that's this. If we are not intentional, we will end up having a metaphorical love for metaphorical neighbors, which in my opinion ends in metaphorical Christianity. And I think our world has had plenty of metaphorical Christianity. I think our world is tired of metaphorical talking Christianity You can go back, Muhammad Gandhi said, I love your Christ. I just don't like your Christians. I really believe that when we start to push this way, we will see revival. So what must we do? What's the desired outcome of this series? We must have real love for our real neighbors right now. We must have real love for our real neighbors right now. Amen, faith promise. Can we do that? We can do that. So here's what we need to do. We need to take this to God. Because what we need to do is something supernatural. It's not humanly willed. Uh, Really, you're going to get impressed this week to go pray for somebody you don't know. You're going to be impressed to go invite somebody to church to witness somebody that that maybe you have a very shallow relationship with. And that uncomfortability, that pit you feel in your stomach, that's the distance between the the natural and the supernatural. So what we need is we need God's help. So let's spend a moment in prayer before we get into God's word. Let's do it together. God, we come before you right now, and we say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. God, we align this room, we align our hearts, we align this church with heaven as we say the same thing that's being said in heaven. And we pray that you would break through, God, everything that we have going on. God, that our biggest biggest decision, our biggest thought wouldn't be about our next bill or our next ball game. But it would be about the eternity, God, the, the restoration, the salvation of your kids. God, align our hearts with your Send your revival, God, God through good neighbors, not through some election and not through, not, not through a social media push, but, God, through your loving people pursuing your kids. Move on us this weekend. Let us experience a revival. Let us experience an awakening in our hearts first. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So I know what you're thinking when I say be a good neighbor, but Zach, I'm too busy. And I know some of you guys are busy. I, I, I get it. Some of you guys have it time perfectly, right? You pull in your driveway, you hit the garage door button, you get in that thing on two wheels, and you can hit the button again before the weird guy next door looks out the window. Don't lie to me. I know you can, right? We're busy. But you know what? Real love, a good neighbor makes time. But Zach, you don't understand, they're weird, they're close talkers, they're mouth breathers, man. We don't, we don't have anything in common, I, I, I get it. And if you're sitting here thinking, I don't have any weird neighbors, you're the weird neighbor. I'm just joking, joking. <laughs> sure. But real love, real love, a good neighbor is accepting, right? But Zach, it's hard, it's awkward, I get it. Hey, I, I could talk to a tree. For real, I could just talk to anybody. Yet, when I go knock on my neighbor's door, whenever I just talk, when I start a conversation in the yard, it's awkward. I get it. However, real love, a good neighbor, pursues no matter how uncomfortable it might be. So the challenge this week, not down the road, not after you overcome something, the challenge this week is to become a good neighbor that loves. A neighbor that loves the people beside us, literally. And there's never a better time than the holidays. The holidays, that they're a cheerful time for so many. But I know people within the walls of Faith Promise, within the walls of our Faith Promise campus that have lost wives this year, that have went bankrupt this year, that have lost jobs and kids. And that's just inside the walls of Faith Promise. Imagine not having this home, not having your group, not having people to do life with, because that's the majority. People are outside dealing with this stuff alone. There's never been a better time to be a neighbor. And let me tell you this, this, is gonna, this, this should blow our minds. The people that you live beside, that was arranged by God. The people that you were around, that was arranged by God. Now, how do we know that and why would that be the case? Are we just tickling your ears here? Are we what's what's nice? No, see in Acts 17, I believe 24, it says this. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with human hands. When we leave, God does not haunt the halls if they promise, okay? He is not walking up and down the halls at our campus and saying, hey, when they get back, I'm gonna tell them this. When they come back, I'm gonna ask them that. I'm gonna ask them to this. When the light's turned off, this place is empty. Jesus leaves when you leave. No matter what happens in the car, no matter what you're thinking, Jesus loves you too much to leave you. If you're a Christian, when you leave, Jesus leaves with you. So many of us, I know I have some of my best friends in the world who say this, when we talk about God, they say, man, if I could just see, if I could just see something, it, it would help me. Good, loving, good, God-focused neighbors. We are the rebuttal. We are God's rebuttal, God's answer to that doubt, to that fear, to that trepidation. It's us. God is calling us to be a good neighbor. God is calling us to be the vessel. God is calling us to be the answer. So many feel like, man, I never get picked for anything. I never get to be or do anything. You have been picked. I have been picked by God for such a time as this to spread the gospel, eternity. It's amazing that he would choose us to be that. So we're gonna look and we're gonna get some revelations out of God's word today. And we're gonna be in Acts 17. Now let me set up why I think it's so special we're in Acts 17. See, there's the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is before Jesus came. Then you have the New Testament. That's after Jesus came. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the beginning of the New Testament, Jesus' ministry and him him down the cross for us and, and making a way. And then right after that, you have when the church begins. So it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. So what Paul's doing in Acts is really setting up how the church is supposed to be, how, how we're supposed to be on mission and stuff like that. So that's why it's so good we're looking at this because I feel like the church and how we act, the people around us, it's gotten pretty watered down, right? So let's look at the intention. What is the intention of how the church should act? In Acts 17, starting in verse 26, it says this. And he... Made from one man, every nation of mankind to live uh, to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and boundaries of their habitation, that they that they would seek God, and if perhaps they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from any one of us. Now I want you to get these things. You're going to want to write them down. They're massive. So if we go back to the beginning of that verse, we see that mankind, from one He met man, He made all mankind. We are the human race. We are not in a race with humans. We are the human race. We are not in a race with humans. Listen, you you, you only can do so much. You can either hold competition or God's compassion, but you can't hold both. Everybody that you see, everybody that you interact with, Jesus died for them. Is that how we operate? Everybody that we walk beside, everybody that we talk to, everybody that you live beside, that you never stop to know their names, Jesus died for that person. I also want to see this, this word determined. This word determined means fixed. You ever hear about somebody like fixing a game or whatever where they can't lose? The game of eternity has been fixed and it's with you. God has chosen you. While you are picking out curb appeal and square footage and, and school systems, God was picking out real people to live right beside you so you could pursue their real problems with his real love. Where you are, where you're going, where you been, it's all been determined so that God can fix somebody to change their lives. As we go on in that same passage, that they would seek God and perhaps they f- grow, for, grow for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. I'm gonna tell you something that's going to terrify you and really burn this in. This last sentence, though he is not far from each one of us. I am terrified of spiders. I hate spiders, they're, they're of the devil, they're the worst. All the legs, the eyes, the hair, it's, it's the worst. Even Grand Ada long legs, I don't like any of them. Judge me if you want, don't care, okay, I don't like them. So people send me stuff on social media all the time and they're like, you know, all this. And I'm like, oh, I hate you, got you. Or whatever, loving banter. And um, somebody sent me an article that said there's so many spiders in the world that you're never more than eight feet away from a spider. Yeah, try to sleep tonight. I sleep with my mouth open. I'm scared to death, okay? Just, I, I know for a fact. I've dreamed all night. I'm ah! You know, I'm scared. I'm just, ah! uh, so so it, it, it's, t- it's terrifying to me. But listen, When it says, though he is not far from each one of us, the people around you, now God is omnipresent. That means he is everywhere. But it's my desire, if anybody lives around any sort of faith promised people, that God is not far from any one of them because they are not far from us. That they're not far from God because they're not far from God's people. That, I, I just wish when we drove into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, that we wouldn't have the desire to get to where we're going really quickly and unbothered. But this would be our desire, that nobody is far from God because I just Got here. See, so many of our neighbors have lost God, but God has not lost them. And God has not lost them because you're there. God has not lost them because he has called you for such a time as this to change their life through God's love. So this week, let's take some time, let's take some small steps to become neighbors, good neighbors who love our neighbors. Let's do that. Let's take some time to become good neighbors who love our neighbors. And I want to look at a conversation between Jesus and this lawyer, To really see, number one, Jesus' priority on being a good neighbor, but then also how we can be a good neighbor. In Luke chapter 10, verses 25, uh, Jesus talked with this lawyer. And a lawyer stood up and put Jesus, him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? It's a great question. What shall I do to go to heaven to have a relationship with God? And he said to him, what is written in the law the Bible of the time? How does it read to you? And he answered, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Now, let, let me condense that down. He asked Jesus, what shall I do to be saved? What shall I do to inherit the eternal life? Jesus said, what does the law say? The Bible, right? And if, if you've ever tried the Bible reading plan, you've read the beginning. What he said is the law, right? The Torah, right? The Leviticus. That Leviticus is like covered in chloroform. You ever start reading like, oh, God in heaven, right? It's because of all those laws. Yet, whenever Jesus said, how do you read it? What's the most important thing? Two. Out of the hundreds of laws, two, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to see there Jesus' priority on loving others, only two laws. It wasn't about holiness. It wasn't about perfection. It wasn't about constant repentance. It wasn't wasn't about anything except for loving God and loving people, and I think that's special to know. God gave me this thought, because I really want to drive this home. I want us to leave with a burden, on how God feels about us loving people. I have a daughter. Her name's Jael. Man, I love Jael. Oh my gosh, she's just like my heart. Um, I have a son too, but he's, he's one. We're not sure how he's gonna turn out. So <laughs> my daughter, as of right now, she's great. River, it's a whole nother thing. River Potamus is still we're out. We're, we're, the jury's out. So I've got Jael. I love Jael. She's my princess. Now, if Jael was beside you, and she was hungry, she was thirsty, she was scared, she was cold, she was lost, felt abandoned, felt just despair, scared. You know when the kid is scared. The next time, and you didn't do anything about it? You just sat there? The next time that me and you met, we'd have a problem. That's fair, right? At the end of our life. We'll sit down law lob a father, and we'll give an account on what we did for his kids. We'll sit there and he'll say, but why? Why didn't you go talk to him? Why didn't you pursue him? What will be our answer? I was too busy. Cause you wouldn't do that to me if JL was sitting beside you. I had a game to watch. a promotion to get, I don't know, sorry I do know, those won't stand up. I don't know that God will let those stand. That's why the value that God puts on loving others is so high. So how do we do it? I believe we love God's kids the same way we love God. He said love God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind. So we love our neighbors the same We love with our heart. We we, we love like a good neighbor. Some of us have to pull a grinch and let our heart stretch outside of the people that we know, outside of our family. We have to love people that can't do anything for us. We have to love them. Our soul, who we are inside, looking like a good neighbor, caring for and wishing the best. We have to love them with our heart, with our soul, with our strength. We have to act. We have to do actions, right? Think back to when you were dating. Or maybe if you are still dating, you do hours' expressions to let them know that you care about them. Do we ever do that for people who can't do anything for us? Just bringing the trash up, just for, just for an opportunity for them to say, hey, why'd you do that? I just care about you. Hey, I just want you to know I, 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 I really I just care about you. I want to be here any way I can. We love them with our strength, and then we love them with our mind. We think about them. You do not have to be a pastor to ask somebody, how can I pray for you, and to think about them. When I go around and visit my neighbors, I never tell them I'm a pastor. Because when you tell people you're a pastor, people just get weird, right? They, they won't answer the door with their beer in their hand anymore, right? They just get they get weird, right? So when I go to my neighbors, the lady right across the street, and, we, and I used to bring JL with me, so I don't think I'm a weirdo. I bring JL with me. I don't wear a tie or ride a bicycle because i will never open the door then, right? Okay, sorry. I'm never preaching here again. This is it. This is it, Mike. So, so I'm, I usually bring J.L. with me and we're talking and, um, <laughs> sorry. And um, this is going off the rails, guys. But when I ask her, we'll talk and then I'll give her my, my invitation or I'll give her, I'll give her my uh, whatever we like baked for or whatever. And then I'll say, is there I can pray for you? She doesn't know I'm a pastor. And she doesn't say, hey, let me, let me see your pastor ID. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me see your, you know, never. But she will say, hey, my husband died a few months ago. And I don't know how I'm going to make it. And I use my mind to love her when I'm driving away every day. I think, God, help her. God, help her. God, help her. We love people with all that we are. And when we do that, a good neighbor reveals God's character. A good neighbor reveals God's character. Faith promised we can defeat division right in our front yards. We don't have to wait on some election. We don't have to wait on some social media push. Amen? We don't have to do that. We can defeat it. Right here in our front yard, do you pursue people who don't look like you? Because people give me a hard time. Sta- people, some of my friends give me a hard time because I, I guarantee you, and maybe it's weird, but if, if, if a white male walks in and somebody else, I'm, I'm going to pursue the somebody else first. Oh, Why is that, Zach? That's weird. Well, I do that because we just never know how many representations of Jesus somebody will get. But every time they see you, that might be the one time they get a representation of Jesus, so pursue it. And everything the world is not that does not look like our God, we reflect that in their eyes. We can defeat division right in our front yard. So we have to walk across the street, walk across the hall, walk across the cul-de-sac and love people. We have to do that. And the greatest distance to cover is not a hallway and it's not a cul-de-sac, it's not a street, but it's in our heart. It's in our priorities. Some of us, it's in our prejudice. We have to push past those things because it is God's desire and God's design for us to be one. When we say us, not just faith promisers, not just people who look like us, but for all of his children to be one. I can't tell you how many people say, Zach, what does God want me to do? I I want to be used. We can be used by being a good neighbor because a good neighbor brings healing. A good neighbor brings benevolence, and it brings understanding and courtesy and sympathy and integrity and mercy and kindness and acceptance and pursuit and love and so much more, not because we're perfect, but because the God inside of us feels all those things for his kids who are far from him. Amen. That's, that's 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 how our God views those people. If we're not careful, we will get stuck. We will run the risk of living in the suburb of superiority. And just like we can't hold competition and God's compassion, we also cannot hold comparison and God's compassion. We have to pick one. And we'll be held accountable for which one that we choose. This division that the enemy has caused, this has been since the beginning of time. In in Acts 17, that I was reading you guys earlier, Paul was... Talking to the Greeks, the Greeks thought everyone who wasn't a Greek was a barbarian. Paul was a Jew. Jew, Now, God changed Paul's heart, but the Jews thought everyone who wasn't a Jew was a pagan. But we still do this today, whenever we cause these divisions and these these sections off. But we need to know this. The only one who can look down on people is in heaven, and he chooses love. Let me guarantee you that HOA was better in heaven than in Bethlehem. You know what I'm saying? Let me go and guarantee you that. But yet he decided to shove all of his eternal glory and majesty and, and, and saving grace into this baby born to a barn so that he could be my neighbor. But what so many of us are doing in our hearts and minds right now and what we're going to do in the car, let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do the same thing that that lawyer did. Because in Luke 10, 29, this is what happened. But wishing to justify himself. He asked, who is my neighbor? This guy asked the right questions. This guy wanted to be saved. It seemed like he wanted to be saved. This guy was probably going to church, but what was his reason? What was his purpose to justify himself? Our love, our compassion, our desire, our pursuit for people doesn't need to be about our own justification, but about others' restoration, about others' salvation, about others' experience, the life that Jesus died to give them so often we want a lower standard and less responsibility but this what we're talking about it's impossible without god's help that's why we talk about coming to church and going to group and having your quiet times we don't get bonuses based on if you had quiet times or not right? come to your house more right we, we we don't do that but the reason we push for that is so that we can fill our eternal tanks and go out and do the hard things Our world would look different if more believers would do the hard things and be the Christians that God had called us to be. Because get this right here. get God some praise because the gut punch is coming. Go ahead. We limit. When we limit who our neighbor is, we limit God's love. When we limit who our neighbor is, we limit God's love. We can't afford this. We can't afford this right now. God's love needs to run rampant in our society through us. Now, Paul, who was probably the greatest evangelist ever walked the face of the earth, right? Billy Graham couldn't hold his Bible. He was amazing. Yet, if you read in Acts 17, I challenge you to do that in your quiet time, Paul got turned down. Paul got sneered at. Paul got written off. But there were some who believed. And Paul thought, if some will believe, it's worth it. If I told you, hey, you'll win that big old Powerball if you go try, you wouldn't care how many wrong tickets you got because you're gonna get the one that wins. But for some reason, we let the thought of a failure give us paralysis by overanalysis and that fear. And that's not what God has called us to do. The enemy would love for us to philosophize and just think about anything except for somebody being saved. Because I think, I think Faith promised and all of our campuses were the kind of people to think, if they'll get saved, I'll do whatever it takes. But the devil wants to think about anything but that outcome. He would love to keep us sitting back in our chair, having our quiet times, philosophizing about the people far off. Thinking about the people, and you know what we do that? We gaze right past our real neighbors, right past their real problems, and right past their desperation for God's real love. We can change it. We can change eternity by being faithful. But something we have to know is we have to love God first. Whenever the lawyer was talking, he said, love God, then love people. Maybe there's never been a time where you've chosen to love God. Maybe you have a hard time even loving yourself. But when we realize God loved us, it unlocks a different life. In Revelation 3.20, it says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, and I will dine with him and he with me. I love that. Jesus didn't say, "I'll put a safe a save stamp on your forehead and get out of there." He said, "I'll come in. I'll dine with you." You think about my house, my neighborhood, my life is too messy, not for our God. Not for him. His good will always outweigh our bad. So if today for the first time you want to enter into a relationship, we would love to do that as a neighborhood. We would love to do that as a home. That's how we do it at Faith Promise. No one does anything alone. Would you do me a favor and bow your head and close your eyes? And if you want to receive Christ today as your Savior, would you pray this prayer with us and enter into the best relationship you've ever had? Let's do that together. Say, Jesus, I know I've sinned, but I know you came and died for my sins and paid for them so I could have a relationship with you. Be my first love, be my Lord, amen. If you gave your life to Christ today, there's something in front of you called a communication card. We would love for you to fill that out and just let us know, we're not gonna hassle you, but we just wanna welcome you to the neighborhood. We wanna walk beside you. We wanna change this world together. Also, if you, if you wanna be used at a greater level this week in Next Steps, We're talking about serving. During the last service at this campus, we'd love for you to attend, talk about the spiritual gifts that God has imparted to you for you to change the world. As we enter into our time of generosity, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so thankful. But we always want to take a moment to realize why we're generous. In 2018, 168 faith promisers, promisers went all over the world in missions. We went and we did all these things. What I love is 71 of those people it was their first mission trip. So we're not just taking the same people over and over again. We have new people constantly pursuing real people with real problems all over the world. 98 of those people were from this campus alone. So Pellissippi sent 98 missionaries all over the world. And it is amazing. As we're in this time of generosity, the fact that we get a chance to give and breathe our tithe and offerings, I don't know if you ever thought about this way, it's a family matter. I think it's pretty cool that God allows us to be a part of family matters because we are who he chose to change the world. You are a good neighbor, not because of what you think about you or because of your past, but because of what God has said about you, because of God's future for you. Let's pray as we prepare to be generous. God, thank you for this opportunity to give. Thank you for this opportunity to be a part of, of your family. God, and to, and to speak in these family matters like generosity. God, we love you. I pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit this week. I pray that as we're good neighbors, as we, as we lay hands and pray, that people would be healed, that mayors would be restored. God, that you, we would see just something miraculous. God, we love you. We're we'll surrendered to you. We are ready. Bend us to your will. Send a revival on this house. Thank you. In your precious name, we pray. Amen. Let's worship in our generosity.